Do you dress Ray? Does Ray wear little outfits? I'm not on board with that. It's not dignified. I like that you warned me before I replied. <laughs> yeah, just to let you know. Just so you know. Um, but by all means, I'm not judging you if you do put your I don't. in a jumpsuit. I don't dress him except on Halloween I put him in a special thing. Because it's you know a special what? occasion. <laughs> this week on Walking the Dog, I went out for a stroll with actor, stand-up and all-round human wonder Kerry Godleman. Kerry has a beautiful West Highland Terrier and Scottish Terrier cross called Molly, and we took her for a run out on Streatham Common, which is Kerry's local park. You probably know Kerry best for her work with Ricky Gervais on the series Derek, and more recently in Afterlife, which returns, by the way, for a new series next year. But she's also an incredibly talented comic. Yes, Kate and William, I saw you giggling away at her during a Royal Variety performance. Kerry is incredibly genuine and open. She talked about how she's a big crier, her fast-paced kind of let's get it done approach to life, which even extended to meeting her husband, and her childhood. I love the fact that her dad is a violin maker. It's the kind of job people do in 18th century novels. We also talked about the call from Ricky Gervais that changed her life, really, and how she prepares for her stand-up gigs. And you can see Kerry's touring show, Bosch, in spring, summer next year. Find out more at kerrygodleman.com. I adored Kerry and Molly, and I think you will too. Enough of me. Let's get on with the walk. Here's Kerry. Get that bit of muck off your head, Molly. It's not a great look. Oh, she's got mud on her. Yeah. Well, it could be mud. <laughs> She likes rolling in it. Does Ray roll in fox shit? Yeah. It's awful. Can't stand it. Ray does a strange thing when he goes to the loo. Yeah. I think it's because he's quite spoiled and high maintenance. Yes. I know dogs do a circuit. You know, they'll go round and round in circles a bit before yeah. they do a poo. It's like he's selecting a loo. You know when like a woman goes into the toilet? At, so you'll be at an event or at a theatre and you pick the one you like. Yeah. You know, I want the one on the left. Yeah. Oh, no, I actually go on the far one. <laughs> but Ray, the indecision over that drives me nuts. Like, yes. come on. You've got to not be in a hurry. It's like with a baby. You've just got to not be in a hurry. And I'm always in a hurry. So that's why I don't think I'm a dog person. <laughs> I don't know how I've got one. We should talk about it. It's a bit late now. Oh, I'm six years in. But then can be true of so many things, can't it? Where you're like, what? how did we get here? Come on, Molly. Come on. Come on, Mole. It's, it's all about you now. I can take her off the lead in the, when we get... Oh, can you? Well, this rookery bit is fancy, so you've got to keep them on lead. It's all kind of um, properly gardened and kept. Oh, and then if we, we can, I can show you the posh and then we can go back out and then we can take the dog off the lead. And then we're in non-posh and you will see the Croydon Basin. We should say where we are. We're in Streatham Common. Yeah. And this little bit is the rookery. And we've been in the rookery calf. Look, the rookery, there's a sign here. It says the rookery is a small but enchanting formal garden. Well, we'll be the decider of that, won't we? We'll, we'll, we'll judge whether it's enchanting. Don't want to be controlled by Lambeth Parks. I think Lambeth Parks are sort of... Yeah, I mean, they're tooting their own horn a bit with the enchanting. Yeah. But well, I do like the idea of someone sitting in an, in an office brainstorming that and saying, shall we say, what should we say, enchanting, magical? It's all right. Yeah. It's okay. I, I think <laughs> enchanting's pushing it. <laughs> it's just a, a very municipal park. But yeah, like, well, actually, do you know what? Having said that, there is a bit down here I would go as far as to say is enchanting, which is a walled garden. 
In the summer, they have um, concerts. So you'll see there's a natural little rake. Oh. And they have little gigs. Come on then. You know what I like about Molly is that she's got a very Kardashian thing going on Do you with reckon? her bum. She's got a good wiggle. She looks like she's got heels on, doesn't she? <laughs> she's got a little heel walk. She looks like me in heels because I've got tiny feet. So have you, what size are you? Five. Oh, I'm three, you see. Oh, gosh, yeah, tiny feet. Are so, you, did you bind them as a, as a child? <laughs> geisha, my geisha parents. But you, I look a bit, when I wear heels, I look a bit like a dog in heels. <laughs> I'm sure that's not true. It's true. I, I haven't even said who this is, but everyone knows you, Kerry. Do they? Yes, I think so. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Well, maybe not. Anyway, I'm Kerry. I'm with the wonderful <laughs> Kerry Godleman, and we're in Streatham with her dog, Molly. Molly. Who I've just met and I've completely fallen in love with. She's a good one, isn't she? So but then everyone loves their dog. Molly, Molly was uh, the result of a campaign from a child. So my daughter wanted a dog really put the work in with regard to asking like left notes around the house on a dog every christmas little letters to santa just dog i've got some of these notes i kept them all where should we go because this is the rookery which i suppose oh. is enchanting to quote our lambeth parks sign Do you know i think this is beautiful it is it is lovely isn't it it's like the secret garden i love it what so type of dog is she mine? is a, a scotty and a westy cross so she's a full terrier look look at this rookery but See, this is nice, isn't it? This is really... Oh, Kerry, let's describe it. It's like a colonnaded area with sort of... Vi it's got branches growing on it. I mean, it's... it's because we're in deepest winter, I suppose it's not looking... It's absolutely... Well, mind you. There's a fountain here. This looks like Richard Curtis would very much put fairy lights around this uh, and have a wedding yeah. here. Yeah. Yes, it's wedding territory. A walled garden. And then they've got a community garden over there. It is lovely, Streatham Common. Little cherubs on the fountain. Cherubs, there's a... With quite prominent genitals. They're not that prominent, Emily. I mean, <laughs> I think you're projecting onto their genitals. Um, this is a well, which isn't like a kind of folly. Oh, it's a real well. This is lovely. Yeah, this well is one of three original wells of Streatham Spa Water, dating from 1659. Look, Molly's looking... Molly, don't go down that well. If you were sort of 13, you'd make up a story about a dead child down there, wouldn't you? <laughs> That's what people... Don't you remember being a teenager and every, like, drain or hole in the ground, you're like, there's a ghost of a child down there. <laughs> I love children's urban myths. Oh. Our one locally in North London where I grew up was the person who'd gone at that... Don't go into that hospital because someone went in to have their leg amputated and they took off the wrong leg. Oh, God. And I so believe that. Yeah, you need those stories when you're a child. Oh, this is so pretty. No, it is. It's lovely, isn't it? It's very slippy. To the white garden. It, that isn't a race thing. It's about the plants. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> that would be awful, wouldn't it? Kerry, um, I'm seeing you in an entirely different light. Well, it just, you have to make, have the clarity. All these plants in full bloom are white flowers and look white benches here do you know what i like i feel like i'm a prospective purchaser of the rookery do you know what what's <laughs> funny is when we were looking around this area yeah. to move around here we did sort of whilst we were thinking about it come for a walk yeah here and we were like you are now like where are we what is yeah. this i mean you know what london you grew up in london yeah yeah when you've lived in london all your life you're yeah. always discovering little new bits i know it never it's, stops people are always quite surprised that i grew up in london yeah a lot of people think of it as like New York. It's a place you come to. Yes. You know, 
and the idea of growing up here, you feel a bit sort of orphan Annie. It's like it's oh, funny weirdo, though. It's growing so up in London, massive. You grew yeah. up north London, did you? Yeah, north. yeah. I grew up west, sort of northwest. Whoosh! It's really slippy. Um, but I've lived south longer than I ever was west. Now, that tipping point when you've been somewhere longer than where you grew up. Yeah, and that's it then. That's it. And my kids are at school around here, so I'm not going in the foreseeable. And Molly's used to this. Is Molly's Molly, manner now? This is now. Molly's manner. This is where we walk Molly every day. I must confess yeah. that Ben, my husband, walks her more than me. This Does is he? a bit token. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like anyone who knows me would go, "Who is she kidding?" Pretending that she walks that dog every day. Well, in fairness, I took Jimmy Carr out and. On the put lead. It, put it this Did you way. Take him I think he had sort of patent <laughs> shoes on, and I'm not sure he'd done it before because he. When I got the poo bags out, he was kind of like, "Why have you brought freezer bags?" Uh, the poo bags are a game changer for a lot of people. Like oh, they think they like the idea of a dog, but they absolutely draw the line at picking up poo. How are you on that? I'm just used to it now. I do have moments like I went to pick one up the other day, and my scarf nearly dangled in it, and I was like, "That's too much, isn't it?" <laughs> Don't really that want. puts some people off getting a dog, you know. Oh, no, absolutely. I don't mind it, though. I love my dog so much. I haven't had kids because I forgot. Yeah, wiping up crap I, is something you kind of I build always up think people to. always talk about doing stuff for their kids, yeah. like to do with snot and, you yeah, know. Yeah, you do go to food. another place with um, bodily fluids. I feel that with my dog. I love him so much. Yeah. I don't even mind the smell of his poo. I do have a lot of objections to the smells that Molly offers up. <laughs> Molly! Because this is what we will see. There'll be lots of stopping and call. her recall is terrible with me because I am not, I am not really his master's voice. Look, there she got my cord, Molly. Don't. Just rolling in mud and crap. Molly. Molly. Look how awful my recall is with that dog. And I don't bring tre treats out. So you know people kind of lure them with treats that, that now she's having a poo. Oh, she's doing the poo. I'm going to have to go and pick it up, aren't I? Molly. Oh yeah, let's go and get the poo. Come on. Good girl. These poo bags oh, are in I every coat and every pocket and sometimes you go to a do and pull out a poo bag it's really embarrassing well, i think we should um they should do poo bags that can double up as sort of evening clutches so if when that i was happens... a teenager i remember taking some loose change out in a freezer sandwich bag and my friend was like what are you doing i said what i haven't got a purse <laughs> um, molly did you do poo poo See, I can't do that. I can't do the shrill. Have you had a poo poo? I can't. It's where I draw the line. Same with children and dogs. Do you have a dog voice? No, I talk to her in my own voice. This is where I don't think I'm a dog person. You see, I no, but you know what? Someone told me there's the difference. There's a doggy person and a dog person, and oh. I'm a doggy person. So might I be a dog person? Or yeah, which is you're just quite sort of straightforward yeah. with them. Whereas, but I think possibly your way is less nauseating. Whereas it's when the voice goes shrill, I just have to go. No, I'm sorry, Carol. Okay, it's fine. Well, it's fine. It was so lovely meeting you. Should we part now? <laughs> <laughs> it's same with children, though. When people talk to their children in that voice, yeah, I'm like, goodbye. What's weird <laughs> is I don't do it with children at all. But it is. I hate dogs. it when people do it with children. I just talk to them very much like I try and talk to them just like they're adults, quite honestly. Yeah, which doesn't always work. No. So I'm, but, I need to find a compromise. But me. dogs, I have to do that because I read as well that dogs do respond to tonality. Oh, see, because of a dog whistle and the pitch and all that. So dogs understand. Oh, now I know why she doesn't come <laughs> when I call her. Because I'm going, Molly! Molly! Come on, Molly! Good oh my girl! God, she loves you! Good girl, Molly! Good girl! 
Oh, That's because I did the voice. I feel voice. like you're training me <laughs> to be a doggy person. Molly! Good girl, Molly! Yeah. You're much kinder to her than I am, and you only Good just met girl. her. Come on. I think I'm like Dr. Doolittle yes, now. Yes, you're teaching me to talk to the animals. <laughs> and what do you say? Fuck off. <laughs> no, I'm going to be a better dog person. Um, I do love her. I, Elsie wanted her. My daughter wanted her. Campaigned hard for her. We were always like, no, no, because we live in London. Let's go this way. Yeah. We live in London and all the usual reasons not to. And then my husband sort of went, you know what? I have always wanted a dog. And I was like, oh, well, we can have a dog. You're a grown-up. Growing up, Kerry, were you a dog family? Did you no, have animals? that's what I mean. So we didn't have, I didn't, I don't think of myself as a dog person. I didn't have a dog growing up. My husband, Ben, didn't have a dog growing up. My, my gran and granddad did have a terrier when I was a kid, but I think that was gone by the time I was sort of 10 or 11. My mum's from um, Yorkshire and my granddad was a pig farmer and he's very unsentimental about animals. Like, I think there was one story where one was maybe dead and he went to bury it. And my dad said, that dog's not dead and he got it out the ground. So there's that kind of farmery. Yes. My granddad was like, oh, bugger it, you know, it's mainly dead. <laughs> and went on. And <laughs> so there's yeah. always been that kind of slightly, this is what, what I'm like, you see. I don't do the voices. I see. I think it might be in my... It's the pig heritage. farmer it's gene. The pig, farm, the pig farmer gene. Molly! Good girl. Good girl. She, she, we just have to slow down. I mean, it's good for me to have a dog because it does make me slow down. You can't be in a rush with her. Are you quite a fast-paced oh, person? Ridiculous. It's like the one ongoing theme is slow down. Even on my wedding day, my dad was at the other end, and I was like, me and my dad were galloping down the aisle, and Ben and the vicar woman were like, slow down, <laughs> slow down. I was practically. What do you think that's about then? That's interesting. Oh, just constantly in a rush. Are you slow it? down is my. You know, daily mantra like, come on, Carol, slow down. Do you get impatient? Yeah, awful. So, your mum's from Yorkshire. My mum's from Gaul, yeah, in Yorkshire, and my dad's from Northolt in, in West London, which is pretty much where I grew up. Yeah, I went to school in Northolt. And what did your parents do? My dad is a violin maker and restorer, which wow. is weird, isn't it? It's a really unusual That's job, brilliant job, but it's really odd how he came to be one because he went to school secondary modern school in Northolt, Northolt High, the school mm. I went to. I can't remember what it was called. It wasn't called that, but I went there. And then he left at 15 or whatever it was when secondary modern kids left. I went for a few job interviews for apprenticeships and that was the one he got to become a violin maker. And was <laughs> he particularly really musical then? Not remotely. Can't play the instrument at all. It's a pure uh, craft. He's a kind of carpenter of sorts. A luther, isn't it, they call them? I love it. It's kind of like a sort of medieval job. It's really like a medieval job, isn't it? I mean, now he doesn't make any... For years, I think he genuinely was really interested in it, and it did yeah. open up a world that he wouldn't have otherwise been exposed to. Now he's a bit over it, really. He's been doing it since he was 15, and he's 70. So, and I think he'd like to retire, really, but he can't. But, um, and what about your mum? Did she, was she a homemaker? Mom, or? She has had a lot of jobs. When I was growing up, she did all sorts. Yeah. From, God, literally all kinds of jobs. It always mm. worked. A lot of my formative, like, childhood, she was a market research recruiter. Oh, really? So she'd be always ringing people up and going, 
do you like tuna fish? And then trying to get them to go on a, <laughs> go on, go through a market research group discussion. I suppose since the internet, they don't really do all that anymore, do they? Yeah, that used but to do be. Do you remember that used yeah. to be a thing, like women with clipboards outside supermarkets? Yes. And trying to get you to go to, and you'd get 10 quid to go to a market research group discussion. Yeah, that was a real student thing as yeah. well. Yeah, and my mum used to sometimes, you know, have like double people which you're not really meant to do you're meant to go out and properly get them off the street yeah but obviously you know you'd go look do you want to do one on <laughs> candles there's one at wax lyrical on tuesday <laughs> afternoon and they'd go well i did one linda on tuna fish last month and she's like i'll oh, just wear a hat <laughs> <laughs> the group discussions would be in our house so she'd kind of hire the lounge out yeah so often you used to watch like telly upstairs in the evening because there were groups downstairs I wonder if that world's all just gone. And then, when I was older, she trained to be an Alexander teacher. Oh, my mum did a bit of that. And yeah. she, she was completely... Uh, it was transformed her life, really. Which we should say, just if anyone doesn't know, the Alexander technique is sort of its posture and it's... Yeah, but it's about lifestyle as yeah. well. It's kind of almost... It's like a kind of philosophy, in a way. I mean, it does... It was ahead of its time, yeah. I think, in a way. It does, it's interesting, isn't it, about me not being a very slowed-down... The whole slow down thing because often my mum is like slow down and you see, I don't would, tell me how to live my life <laughs> i would say as a therapist obsessive yes is fascinated by family dynamics yes you know they always say that you know you don't realize that in subtle ways you always have a reaction to your upbringing oh completely what's that brilliant quote about your your life being sort of dictated by the unfulfilled dreams of your parents and things yeah. like that. I mean, it's so true. And actually, to a degree, it's almost like that's a subtle... It's almost like, well, that's a reaction, isn't it? Because yeah. you're right. If yeah. you're brought up in an environment where it's all about... But I don't know. I mean, I'm saying your mum was an Alexander teacher, but what was the atmosphere? And she trained to be a counsellor as well. Did Around she? the sort of probably, what, mid-80s? She's very into therapy and all that and had a lot of that. And then really went into that world. So she trained to be a counsellor and then not long after Alexander Technique and just completely changed her life and became much more absorbed in that sort of self-help arena. I don't know, what um, would you call it? And were you, um, did you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I've got a younger brother. And were you sort of, what was your family dynamic like? Like, was it a kind of... A bit, um, mum was busy a lot which i think yeah. she regrets now and i'm kind of trying to be mindful in my own parenting yeah. she always sort of says oh i was so busy i was always out um she had me when she was much younger than i had my kids so i suppose when she was sort of reaching a prime this is a thing for women isn't it you can have a sort of time of life where it's like your time to really self-realize do you think particularly women of that generation i got the sense with my mum that it was almost like suddenly i felt around the time i guess of the it would have been the 90s, you know, sort of 80s, 90s. Yeah. And one was it. it was suddenly like, oh my God, I'm suddenly free to do totally. all these things. And it happened a bit late for me. Yeah, totally. Know? Well, especially because they, if they had kids, so yeah. she was like, you know, very occupied with doing all that for 10 odd years. And then we became a bit more independent. And then she became a bit more independent and, you know, had a whole new lease of life. And were you, I think sort of class is quite an interesting question. Yeah. Really, but would you say it was middle class or? I suppose in a way, Yes, but no, I don't know. Class ties me in knots because often people mm. will assume I am working class because of my accent, I suppose, or something. I don't know. But my mum and dad are both from very working class backgrounds. Like I said, my mum was a big farmer's daughter and my dad grew up on a council estate in Northolt. But I certainly didn't. Yeah. And I, they, we had a you know, semi-detached 
house in West London, but it didn't feel middle class either. I don't quite know. Yeah. That's what I mean. You kind of always, I think culturally, they became middle class because yes. we would, you know, we did go to the theatre and have music lessons, and my mum was quite politicised and. Yeah, so and you can't say my more... dad's got a night shift down with the old violin no, making. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like he's at the coalface of violin making. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I suppose because my dad ended up with that kind of job, I forget about the dog. This is the problem with having a dog. You get Gavin and you go, oh, shit, where's the dog? I often ask people this. I asked Ricky Gervais, your colleague, this about that moment when he saw being funny as a currency. Yeah. You know, that he thought, oh, actually. This works, doesn't it? I've got something a little yeah. bit different here. Did you ever have that Yeah, I feeling? think so. I think I did. I can remember being the funny one, especially with boys, which actually is funny, isn't it, when, uh, when you're growing up and going through puberty and all that. I could sort of suss out that if I... I'll be the funny one then. You be the sexy one, I'll be the funny one. I remember my best mate when I was growing up was very uh, popular with boys and she was very beautiful. And I thought, you be the sexy, pretty one. I'll be the sort of funny <laughs> hobbit running around in the background. <laughs> and I didn't mind, actually. I, had, I think there was a sort of currency in it. I was like, I'm happy to be the funny one. Because you're conscious, aren't you, of making adults laugh, especially as a kid, and realising that... There's nothing lovelier than a kid making adults. And I loved making my, my parents laugh and my parents' friends laugh. Did you? And they took me to comedy as well. I went to see stand-up. Oh, As did a kid, they? yeah. Who would they take you to go and see? I went to see Victoria Wood when I was about thirteen, and I remember seeing Billy Connolly when I was a teenager as well. Like they loved comedy. Did you have a sense that was something within your reach, or no. did it seem like other people did that? No, that's what other people did. But I still loved it. I don't know when the penny dropped that I could have a go. I went down the trad route of acting, so I was like, I want to be an actor. Right. But it was always the comedy roles I liked more. I was always, you know, the the cocky maid. Did you have that thing of, um, did you feel sort of self-conscious about saying, you know, I always think people that grow up in acting families, Yes. it's almost like it's easier to sort of acknowledge that's a potential ambition. Yeah. Did you ever feel, oh God, I don't know if I can admit to this. No, they I'm were really always really encouraging and up for it. And because I said, like my mum was through this whole yeah. therapy world, yes. there's no way she's going to shut down my dreams if she's no. trying to realise her own. <laughs> So she was always, go for it. They were always, do what makes you happy. And were you, good, were you academically good at school? Were you Not exceptionally, but I wasn't dreadful either. Yeah. I was sort of, you know, fair to middling. If I worked hard, I could pull it out of the bag. Yeah. But I had to work hard, whereas some, you can always see that there are some people that just can do it easily. Yeah. And I wasn't one of them. Um, but yeah, if I applied myself, I could, I could do it. I got all my... In the end, I retook some of my GCSEs. Oh, my GCSEs. hair falling in the Oh, mind. no, don't put that back in your hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we oh, where's Molly gone? There, there she, she is. is. Oh, it's awful embarrassing when you're shouting her and you don't know where she is and she's at your feet. That's... I do that with my dog. All the time, because when they're little and she blends in and I'm like... Molly, don't eat the puddle. Oh, she'll definitely eat the puddle. She'll lick the puddle. I'm really happy she didn't roll in the puddle. What do you think of oh this weird Molly. tail situation? It looks like a paintbrush because the, whoever clipped oh. her has not done the tip of her tail. So yes, she's Molly's, like a paintbrush. Molly, I would describe her tail as slightly frayed at the end. Yeah, it's a mess. But I mean, we're not very groomy <laughs> dog people. <laughs> See what I mean? Like now she's oh, friendly. Oh, a friend. Yeah. Now Hello. She's... Hiya. What's your dog called? Hetty. Hetty. 
Oh, I like Hetty. What kind of dog is Hetty? Labradoodle. Oh. oh, Hetty's having a nice long drink. Oh, Molly's... Fo- what? See what I mean? She's fine now she's off her lead. On her lead, she can be really grumpy. I don't understand the world of dog interaction. Do you not? Not really. I mean, people try and explain it to me. The whole bum-sniffing thing, I don't get. <laughs> don't you? It's really odd. You? Well, it's just essentially, it's a more honest form of Tinder, isn't it, really? Is it? Yeah, it's just like, I like the look of that. I'm going to see but they, if so I... It's so arbitrary. They smell sw- everyone. Well, so do some people on Tinder. It's swipe all left. dogs smell every bum available. <laughs> <laughs> there is no Rega- system. Regardless of gender. No, or, yeah. they just right swipe the lot. <laughs> Isn't it good that we're not dogs? <laughs> it's such a relief. Although maybe it's a nice life in there. Look, there's a big pack of them coming in. Yeah, Molly's not good with these big packs. Come on, Molly, let's get away from the big pack. See you. Bye-bye, nice to meet you. See, how do you feel about that Kerry dog walking well just the interaction well I used to have a route I hate I hate alluding to routines isn't it terrible when comedians go well I've got a routine about that but I did and I always felt a bit bad about it because I'd say oh god dog walkers are so boring I hate talking about dog but because I'm doing this podcast with you I couldn't behave like that so I had to behave myself and also again with my slow down Kerry stop being in such a rush it's always a nice little exchange, isn't it? I went to a party the other day and I ended up talking about dogs for a good half an hour. Did you? And I really enjoyed it. And I was like, don't block it, Kel, just let it in. <laughs> Talk about dogs. I think it's quite nice just because I quite like the interaction. When I've had periods of stress or depression, I suppose, Yeah. I've liked that sense of... You need to get out. Yes, absolutely. Because it's the worst thing not totally to stay in your own head. And you connect with other people. And you connect with other people, but yeah. it's not intrusive. So a conversation like that, yes. I, I used to say I felt of the world, but not too intensely involved Which in it. Which is perfect Do when you know you've I mean? got stuff going on. And I think the thing is, I can be very, like I'll put a podcast on or something when I'm on a walk. Yeah. And then you're shutting that down, aren't you? But you're closing but yourself off nice, to a chat. because you're outdoors. And I you're... know, but what we're talking about is that connection. and Yeah. If you close yourself off, you're not, you're not doing that then, are I you? just like the slightly odd people I met. Like, I met a beekeeper once, and I just oh, thought... brilliant. You know, I don't meet... You don't no, absolutely. I saw a man, like, like with a, sh- a squirrel on his shoulder. He was feeding it. <laughs> I was like, what? Is this happening? <laughs> Am I... That's tripping. his demon. Yes, that's his demon. That's what we were saying, wasn't it? My son thinks Molly's his demon, because we're watching Dark materials at the moment oh, that's so, so he's cute. really enjoying he's nine so he's in that prime zone for a child to really connect with his dog yeah well, and then my daughter who wanted the damn thing <laughs> she doesn't give a toss because she's nearly 13 so she's over it oh she, uh, yeah molly's and molly was her, her dog she yeah. named her she asked for her <laughs> it was it was it's so cl- classic isn't it so tell me you left school and you... I left school and went you, to college. You went to college. And then I went to drama and school. And what did you do at college? I did A-levels, like drama and film studies and English. Yeah. And then I went to drama school. Oh, look, why have I crossed the bridge? I did that to be difficult. <laughs> um, we'll go up this little so you knew, Oh, brilliant. So you knew you were going to... It was a... Yeah, I really... It was drama you was wanted on to do. Path yeah. by then, yeah. And, I, I, and, you know, as well, going back to living in London, when you live in London, it's sort of all there, isn't it? Yeah. There's all youth... I used to go to Ealing Young People's Youth Theatre every Sunday in Southall. 
in a big old disused Wix warehouse. Really? Yeah, I loved it. And I was really involved in all that. And then there were people at my youth theatre that had been to uh, the college I then went to and they raved about it. So I was like, oh, I'll go there. I'll try and was go that there. when you went to Rose Bruford? That's Rose Bruford, yeah. So that's what brought me to South London, really. Oh, really? Yeah. So I lived, it was, it's in Sidcut, but it's also, when I was there, it did have a Deptford bit. And I lived in Deptford and... And were you doing sort of odd jobs to support yourself oh, as always, well? Oh, always, yeah, you can't... What sort of things did you do? Oh, God, what, all the jobs, all the Or did you jobs. do just, like, waitressing? Bar or... work, I've done all that, and... I used to help my mum out a lot with all that market research stuff. I've done temping, office, all the office stuff. I'm not very good at that. But the reason I ask that is... I think your performances, your acting performances, and to a certain degree your comedy, I think... It's, um, you're very good at, I'd say it's really naturalistic, your acting, and you're never sort of on or too big. It's very believable. And I, I don't know, I sometimes think it helps. And I know Ricky Gervais had this as well. Uh-huh. And Diane Morgan, see, I'm seeing a thing that you, who, who had a sort of life before that world, if you know what I mean, yeah. where you experienced real life. Yeah. Which I think helps with observational stuff, but also it gives you more stuff to draw on, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I always did have other jobs, yeah. even though, like I say, I always did acting as well. I did them in tandem. It wasn't like before or after. They've always just been parallel. Yeah, to support yourself, basically. They kind yeah. of, yeah, it sort of assimilates into it where it becomes real life. Yeah. And what was really interesting after leaving college is you never just walk out of drama school and into acting work. Very few do. So you're always juggling working real life and a bit of acting and then they start to kind of muddy up a bit. I used to do a lot of um, forum theatre like uh, you know when they use actors for role play and training and all that oh, stuff. Yeah. I did a lot of that when did I you? was younger. Yeah and I loved all that and it would be in schools teaching kids not to bully or get pregnant or do drugs and it was I loved doing that kind of drama work and then you're much more because they especially teenagers they can smell bullshit. So you have to be really on their level and don't spin it or be... Well, you can't do the sort of... You can't be legs akimbo. Do you remember legs akimbo? I was just You can't be like that. Oh, like, hey, guys, we're here to teach you about bullying, guys. But you can't do that. um, If anyone doesn't know, in an episode of League of Gentlemen, there was a brilliant... Exactly that. There was a sort of theatrical troupe who would go into schools and give educational messages. (laughs) And one I remember, they were called Legs Akimbo, and it was about someone deciding to come out oh. and, they, and this man was going yeah I'm gay uh, and he was at this club I mean it was so awful. Do you remember the one where one of them had an audition for the bill he was like oh go on then go to your bill audition he was so angry but hey weren't you in the bill? I've done a bill I mean that's a rite of passage isn't it I've done a bill a whole be a casualty they're the they're the triptych of uh so did you, acting acquisitions. Did you start getting work when you left drama school? I got an agent straight out of college, which wasn't a God, given. that's good. Oh, there she is. Where's Molly? See, Molly? this is what happens. We get talking. We forget we've got a dog. There she is. Molly, come on. See, I will go shrill when there's a distance. Gone. Molly, come on. Squirrels. She believes that. If you say squirrel, she gets really excited. Have you ever done the panicky call? Oh, don't. Molly, Molly. That one. I thought Molly. I lost Ray once, and he's so small. Oh, he's it turned cool. out he was behind... A bush. It was awful. It yeah, was the most stressful. My thing is, oh, how am I going to tell the kids? I mean, I probably oh, yeah. have that granddad. My granddad is within me. I'm like, oh, well, it'll be all right. Dog's gone. 
But um, I wouldn't want to have to tell the kids. They'd be mortified. When we got her and was training her in all that puppy time, which is not much fun, Yeah. Um, ben was doing all that. I was working at the time. I was doing Derek. And um, he hated it. And he rang me one day and went, I've got to take her back. I can't cope. He'd, he'd stood in dog crap in his bare feet. And he was like, I'm not, excuse me, I'm broken, I can't cope. But and I said, you can't take her back because, no. I mean, imagine the kids. I always wanted a dog because we never had one. And yeah. I had this, obviously, this idea of the, the Labrador and it made you normal. And I yeah, was yeah. never normal. Yeah. So, but then I realised no one was normal. So um, Now you're lumbered with a dog. Yeah. You've had that epiphany and you've got a dog now. <laughs> you said that was interesting. You said you'd be more like dogs dead. Do you think, are you like an emotional person? Oh, very. Are you? Yeah. I mean, everyone's emotional, I suppose, but are you, a, like, are you a crier? Oh, God, big time. Are you? I cry all the time, especially this time of year. When did you cry last, do you think? Yesterday. I went travelling once, years ago, with a mate of mine, and we were having a chat, like, three months into this big trip around yeah. India. And we were talking, you know, when you're, like, heart to heart. I said, I used to be a bit of a crier, but I said, I feel like I've really grown on this trip and I don't cry as much. And he went, are you kidding? You cried. You cried on the way here. <laughs> I said, did I? He said, you cry, you cry all the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm quite loose with it. Do you Sometimes with the kids, when we're watching a film, yeah. I just really push it out. I go full. <laughs> when we watched Coco, I thought, I'm not going to repress this. I'm just going to... I started keening. <laughs> and they were like, Mummy, what is wrong with Alice Cooper, mascara, commit, commit. <laughs> but I think that's healthy. I think it's, people apologise for crying, don't yeah. they? They say, oh, sorry, sorry, I do it as well. And I'm getting less apologetic about it, I think. I remember someone said to me, and sometimes people say, well, why were you crying? Why were you crying? People I, overreact to it, don't do they? Do you think they so? Get I think so. Do you know people who don't cry? Aren't they fascinating? I know a couple of people, men, who... Fascinating <laughs> slash sociopathic. Well, and they say, I get a feeling in my neck, but nothing more, <laughs> nothing more comes. <laughs> I'm like, I can't imagine what that's like. It's like having a poo. Oh, oh he's got a mate. Oh, he's got a cagoule. The dog's got a cagoule. It looks like a wetsuit. It looks oh, like deep sea diving. You know what, I'm fully on board with that because he hasn't got to wash that dog. Well, he has, because look at the state of it, but... I mean, the arse isn't great. No, and the face and head. But... The bits that are sticking out. Imagine if someone said that great. about you, I'd be devastated. <laughs> the arse isn't great and the face and head. <laughs> I mean, we've just said an awful thing about that dog. He didn't hear, though, the bloke, because okay. he was in pig farmer mode and he strode off in his way. It looks like a onesie. This dog has basically got a PVC onesie on. Yeah, it's it, a bit mad, isn't it? It looks a little bit... It's not dignified. S&M community. <laughs> it's a gimp. It's a gimp dog. And it's on a lead. I mean, it's on a lead in a PVC suit yeah, with an exposed backside area. There'll be feedback, won't there? There will be feedback. Well, that'll be the dog sex shop. I don't want you going there. <laughs> no, Molly, we don't do... Did you like this, Kerry? I don't in all... Do you dress Ray? Does Ray wear little outfits? I'm not on board with that. It's not dignified. I like that you warned me before I replied. <laughs> yeah, just to let you know. Just so you know. Um, by all means, I'm not judging you if you do put your dog in a jumpsuit. <laughs> I don't dress him except on Halloween I put him in a special thing. Because it's you know a special what? occasion. <laughs> he, he looks so miserable. 
Yeah, it's and not good. I like his soul to sing openly. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that you love your dog's soul to sing openly. I need to do that with Molly. Molly, does your soul sing openly? I don't think I let her soul sing openly, Emily. <laughs> I think it's a log, oh, unless I, it's a dead rat. I thought it was a dead rat. Yeah. Should we have a look? So you think it's all sort of nice and gentrified around Streatham Common, and then you go, oh no, dead rat. Look, do you think it is a dead rat? No, it's a log. Oh, okay. So you're less alarmist than me, that's the pig farmer. <laughs> um, so the acting came first, and when you decided... Well, comedy, I always loved it, but I, as you said, I wouldn't know how to go about it. It was yeah. sort of one of those things other people did. And, I, you know, there's no college for it, or... You know, there is for acting, there's a legitimate path. You can audition and go and there's a system. Yeah. But with stand-up, there really isn't. It's much more chaotic. I mean, mm. there is a system now, actually, and I did do a course, but much, much later. So I went to drama school and did all that, and I loved it. I had a lovely time, and I did get an agent, and I did get bits of scraps of work, but it was never enough. You always wanted to do the comedy stuff. I just wanted to work more. I reckon, I've always said, if I was a more successful actor, I never would have done stand-up. I just had a lot of time on my hands and I was a bit frustrated and a friend said there was this course at City Lit so I'd left college four or five years by then and I was doing all that forum stuff and then doing a bit of um, other work. I used to work in you know, offices and bars and all kinds of jobs that actors do mm. and then um, I went and did this course at City Lit in stand-up and I really did love it and um, all, even while I was doing it I kind of thought it was just a dick about it, I didn't think I'd actually do it. And then right at the end, when we did our showcase, I thought, well, I've got five minutes now. I might as well go and start gigging and went on the open mic circuit, which is a very strange world. And were you, you know, people talk about nerves and stuff. Yeah. Did you, did you feel sick the first time? Yeah, absolutely. Did you? It took a good few years for that to go away, actually. I mean, that, I can see why a lot of people, you know when people say, I don't know how you do it. I think for a long time, I'd kind of feel like quite cocky about it. I'm like, yeah, I do do a thing that most people really couldn't or shouldn't or wouldn't. And now I think they're right. You shouldn't. It's, it's mad. Do you? I think it's a kind of mental illness. <laughs> I think stand-up is madness. Do because you? Because you put yourself through such anxiety. At the beginning, those first few years, it's, you can't dodge stage fright. You've just got to go through it. And it's like, it's, it's physically awful. Mm. It's awful. I mean, you feel like you're on a roller coaster or running across a motorway it's your your body cells doesn't know the difference between high anxiety and sort of chosen anxiety does it yeah like they say don't they if your one level of your consciousness doesn't know a roller coaster isn't a car crash which is why i hate roller coasters do you Me like too, roller i hate roller coasters i don't I, this i mean generally speaking i don't take needless risks so stand up is a completely stupid thing to do <laughs> it's a really stupid thing to do to yourself psychologically but I really loved it, and I could feel that it felt right. And a lot of the feedback was like, oh, if you work hard, you... There's a meritocracy to stand-up that I really love. Yeah. In, and it's not in acting. Acting's so chancy. And stand-up is much less so, and it fits my nature better in that if I work really hard and I build up my material and I go out and gig a lot, I can feel progress. Yeah. Whereas with acting, it's just all over the place. Yeah. And... You know, I can feel progress sometimes now, but for those first few years when I was very hungry and passionate and I had a lot of energy, I was bored. Acting wasn't fulfilling enough. I was just like, these five lines on the bill, 
are just not going to cut it. I want to know what your lines on the bill. Do you know my? It mom... would have been something like, "Stop coming round here. He ain't in." Stop coming round. He ain't. I don't. I was with him on Tuesday night. He's got an alibi. That was what I was getting. It was so every time. All those parts. What would I be in the bill? I, I worry. A nurse. I... You'd be a nurse. Oh, I'm pleased with that. I thought I might be a, a sort of middle-aged woman and my husband was accused of uh, financial crime or oh, something. Oh, yes, maybe more yes, I fraud, could be, fraud route. I'd do this. This is what I'd do, Kerry. I'd go, I don't know what you're talking about. Roger's not here. But it, have you noticed the similarity with both these characterizations <laughs> we've come up with? It's about the bloke and it's the woman <laughs> protecting. That's what I mean. These parts are so boring most of the time. Oh, you go up for like a WPC as they were then. Yeah. No, it's PC, isn't it? But... Um, or a nurse. I did a lot of nurses. I did Holby, oh, yeah. Casualty, all of those bits and pieces, but never big parts. Always no. like odds and sods. Yeah, my mum was in the bill. My mum was your mum an actor? Yeah, and she played. And I always had that thing when I was growing up that people would say, "Oh, what's she in? Does she know John Travolta?" Yeah. <laughs> and it was always, "Did she know John Travolta?" No. But I'd always have to say, "Oh, she was in." Um, the bill and a tampax that I had yes. and because Same. I grew up thinking I did bog roll ads yeah it was know. it's a jobbing it's a job like anything else so if the work comes you do it yeah and I think yeah my mum was in the bill she played a Turkish madame an owner of a brothel oh, that's see that's fun at least she owned the business Kerry well, that's, I mean, that's much more interesting than the parts we're just talking about. I know, about. but she was upset because her agent rang her and he said, you were so over the top, you were terrible. Oh, that's rotten. I know. She was, though. <laughs> was she more of a theatrical actress than Yeah, and she'd like... done rep, so she would come Oh, well, in. then, yeah, she's from that school. And, and that's all gone now, And she it? was like, I'm, get out of my And it was like, OK, take it down a bit. Yeah, but then she should have gone into comedy. She'd have probably thrived. That's she the problem would've. is all these kind of... Sometimes you're not quite in the right area of your industry, are you? Like, yeah. oh, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be doing this. I should be doing something a little bit different. So that's why I like stand-up, because it opened up this whole world yeah. that I really immediately connected with, and I felt like, oh, I found my people. Yes. And, and I always have this thing, I call it the look-at-me gene, Yeah. which I think anyone doing this sort of work... Is that just an extrovert, or is it something else? Well, I think it is, but I think some extroverts are happy doing it in the pub with friends, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, that's true. And also, there are a lot of performing introverts as well, aren't there? So that doesn't I think up. what it is is that you have a slight excess energy that you need to burn off to stop you being an absolute nightmare yes. in, in real life. Yeah, no, I agree. Do you know what I mean? Because I noticed I'd always avoided doing anything performancey because I came from that world and I was frightened of yeah. saying I wanted to do it. I'll bet, yeah. And actually... When I started doing the radio show with Frank, I was less of a nightmare to be around because it was almost like I had three hours every week. You got it out of your system. Get it out of my system. Yeah, no, I totally relate to that. Did I you mean, think I think that? same. Before I did stand up, I think I was a nightmare at, at parties. Why are you? Why? Because I'd be doing stand up. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd be disguising it as conversation, but I was, I was trying out ideas and jokes. Yeah. And then as soon as I had somewhere to put all that, I was more normal, I think. I hope. Look, this is good, isn't it? This oh, is this a wood. Is lovely. Yeah. There's loads of different zones, aren't there? We've had a rookery zone, yeah, you, a meadowy you thought zone. This, I like this route. And we've got the barking dogs. I mean, acting-wise, you know, it's interesting because you were still known on the circuit and doing. Yeah, well, they as a worked comic. in tandem. They were like two separate jobs for a really long time. And then Derek sort of changed everything. Derek did change it a bit. And how did that happen? I, I, I never. Did you know Ricky? Very Rose. vaguely. I, I'd come, our paths had crossed. I had a scene in Extras. I'd done a little bit on Extras. And I had a scene in Life's Too Short. 
And I think I'd auditioned for like the office and um, extras for other parts and bits and pieces over the years. So I'd gone on tape and stuff. Plus, as I think I gigged with him. I'm sure I did a gig. Robin Ince brought him down to a gig once that I was comparing. So I think our paths might have crossed in that world as well. And then he, you know what Ricky's like. He kind of knows about comedians. He follows it. He knows who's doing stand-up and watches it and engages with it. So I suppose he, I don't know, he knows people and remembers them. And that's, and that, and then I got one of those dream scenarios where I pretty much got pretty, the part. Like, I did, I did audition, but the implication was... You've got it already. Unless you really fuck it up. Do you know what I mean? listening to this. What's she talking about? Well, you <laughs> see, that's why I'm cautious to say that, because it might not be entirely true. And he and I have never discussed it, so I don't know what the backstory is. I, I feel like I can't really say, did you, was there other people? Was Judy Dench up for Hannah? Was, so, was Olivia Coleman in the mix? So I don't really know, but the, the way I was made to feel was that he kind of had me in mind and he brought me in and I did an audition and he was like, great. You must have been so overjoyed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're the kind of dream calls, aren't they? After you've done, like, the stuff we've just talked about. Yeah. And, and I had this other world, this other life that was going... It was trucking along. My stand-up was just trucking along. I was on the circuit. I was making a bit of money out of it. It was sort of, you know, proving to be working out. Mm. And, then, and then this big acting gig came along. I was starting to get a few more comedy sitcom auditions. Yeah. Because I suppose people in that comedy world realise there are these performers that are doing the live circuit but they can act as well and then you start getting different meetings. I stopped going in for the um, the woman on the estate part and I started going in for like sitcom parts. So it What's shifted. the sitcom part? You've done the woman on the estate. What would your line have been in the sitcom? You would have been... Oh, yeah, what would I have were, were you the friend or were you the... Well, heroine? I did Miranda, for example, oh, yes. and I was just like a funny woman in a shop. Hello. Hello, I'm a funny woman in a shop. So now we're moving away from angry woman on estate to funny woman in a shop. At least you're in the shop. Now. I'm in the shop. I'm in the shop. You're doing well. So um, I'm off the estate and in the shop. And so Derek, was that experience with Ricky? Did you realise that that there was something between you? I mean, not in that sense. You're married and <laughs> he's with Jane. But there you was, know, there was a chemistry yeah. performance-wise, wasn't there? Yeah, absolutely. I loved doing Derek. I loved that whole world that he created. It's a really lovely cast, you know, Brett and David and all the people that were living in the home. And it was a really lovely atmosphere and a joy to do it. So it's been a real delight to go on to do Afterlife oh. as well, to get something on the back of... Because when Derek ended, and I knew it would end, I mean, it, you know, because you know what Ricky's like, things end. He's like, yeah. oftentimes it's two series. You have to get off the carousel and uh, life goes on. But um, so I knew it would come to an end. And I was sad when it did. And we did do a special, actually. But um, it was a world I really loved being a part of. And I loved the part. I loved Hannah. Because mm. she was, like we're talking about, she was a working-class woman. Look at Molly. Molly's really going for it. Yeah, she's happy now. She's got a speed on her. Um, and so it, it was a really good part because she wasn't a characterisation. She was a woman running a care home. Yeah. And she had loads of integrity and she was funny. And I just had never had a chance to play a part like that before. Did you sort of speak to anyone? Yeah, my mum's friend um, works in a uh, care home of that kind. And yeah. she works with people, um, 
Well, she, she works with people with learning difficulties and she runs a centre in, in West London. So I did talk to her. And it was interesting because I... And I went to visit her, an old people's home, actually. I just oh, remembered. did you? Yeah, I went to visit. Although some, I've never been a big methody. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm, sometimes I go, I don't know what specifically it will alter about my performance. But I suppose you create a real thing in your head to sort of anchor it to. And also that there is a sort of house style, I think, which is a kind of... Um, which doesn't well, seem a million miles away from what I know so far of you, if I'm honest which is compassionate, but a slight, come on, let's get on with this, we've got a lot to get through. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty much, you've summed me up. You've saved me a decade of therapy, Emily. That is exactly what I'm aiming for. Fast-tracked compassion. <laughs> and then, yeah, some of the compassion might fall away from the need for speed. And then Afterlife, which obviously, this is series, which was a huge success. I mean, I've never seen anything like it, really. I suppose you're dealing with the ultimate theme of death. You're, you're taking people right up to it, right up close to it. And the, hor the most, let's go that way, the most upsetting consideration, which is losing a loved one. And you play Lisa, yeah. Ricky's, I say dead wife. I'm yeah. allowed to say that because everyone in my family died. So I, I'm allowed... I always think I'm allowed to, to say sort of slightly crass things. But there is a weird coyness <laughs> around it, isn't there? I know. It is fascinating, and I think that was what made Afterlife such a relief, is that there was no... like the It's like a sort of weird, well-kept secret that we're all going to die. Yeah. It's like this horrible sort of mortality epiphany. And that programme said, no, we are all going to die, and you are at some point going to lose... And we all don't know when. So this is trying to be a celebration of life. And grabbing life and being alive and managing grief and oh. all these themes that aren't very often, certainly not in our culture, aren't very often addressed. Well, not I really. Yeah. Not, in, not in that arena. Like, you know, maybe in, in literature or whatever, but not in the comedy world. And the mundanity of it and yeah. the absurdity of it all yes. in a strange way is what... Yes. And did you... Um, have you, is that something you've experienced? Have you ever had, I always call it the big five, like the safari, no, when you lose one of the big five? No, I mean, I, you know, and it's terrifying. I mean, of course you do. Do you get scared of it? Yes, absolutely, as my parents are aging now. And um, I find it, I feel like, you know, of course I've got into my mid-40s without having to have that. And it's, it's coming for me. I mean, it's coming. It will, it's coming for all of us, isn't it? So it's like, well... I'm lucky to this point. It's not happened yet. My yeah. mum and dad are still around. Ben's parents are still around. Can I... I um, lost a friend. I want to talk to you about your tour in a minute, but I want to ask about Ben as well. And when you guys met, that's yes. your husband. Yeah. He's an actor, isn't He's he? He's an actor. And when did you... Go, did you meet at drama school? Or? We did. I can't believe I'm married sometimes. <laughs> I find it really sort of bizarrely. I don't believe I've got a dog. I can't <laughs> quite believe I'm a married person with children. You sort of think there's a sliding doors you with a completely different life. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you when you met him? Uh, late twenties. Oh, we so you did it all really textbook then, late twenties. See, I don't, I can't believe that's true. Textbook. Molly, Molly, she's got some mates now. Should we let her socialise a little yeah, bit? Yeah, oh, she really likes those friends. Yeah, because they're her size. Yeah, they really Go do. Go play, Molly. Have, have, have a social life. Good girl. <laughs> See, just a slight intonation raised. Molly. That you see, yes. you're right about the pitch. Because Molly. when you go high, she comes towards Look, you. Look, she does this. Molly! Molly! 
Good girl. Now you see now what? she's looking at you like you're mad. <laughs> That's what I mean, because I don't want to risk doing the funny voice. It's like when you try and entertain a baby and it just blinks at you and you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> Do you think I'm bad that I don't bring treats out? Yeah. No, I don't. Oh, I should. Oh, you maybe know. I'll have got have some. You got treats? Oh, no. I've only got Snacker Jacks. You can't, they have loads of things you can't give to dogs, don't they now? That's why I don't bother with it. I'm just like, just feed them. Look what I've got, look what I've just found in here. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Poo bags You everywhere. know, um, oh no, Molly thought I had a treat. You know what I find really heartbreaking? Uh, look at that face. Is the, the expectant look. Yeah. When you put your hand in your handbag. Yeah, you've got to live with it all the time. When you eat, she's under the table waiting. That and look. Ben took her to the vet. A lot of people said she's overweight and he was really sort of defensive yeah. about it. And, um, she was. He took her to the vet and got her weighed, and the vet said she's overweight, and he's put her on a diet. She's very much his dog. He's got her on a <laughs> he's diet. He's like Hugh Hefner with Molly. You <laughs> put on a couple of pounds. <laughs> oh, Molly. So tell me about when you met Ben. Yes, so I did a play 20s. with Ben. We did a fringe play in Kennington at the White Bear, and um, it. Uh, did you get him by stealth? You know those stealth friendships when? No, look- we went in oh. super quick. I went on a. Um, blind date I was single for a long time and I got quite aggressive about it with friends like I blame like I blamed a couple like come on you've got why is it? this is pre the internet so I kind of like why what look you know people why is this dragging on in my very as we've established slightly boshy nature so I got a mate to fix me up on a blind date and he was a nice guy this bloke uh, but we didn't really have a spark uh, but he'd written a play and he said Do you want to be in my fringe play uh, and I met Ben on that. I that paid his psychiatric like... nurse. Do you think that's got some <laughs> meaning? <laughs> and did you think, oh, I like him as soon as you met yes. him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were He's you, lovely. Who was the, was, did he, are you quite sort of confident in those situations? No, I wasn't for years. Yeah. Because as I said, I was the funny hobbity friend. I'd always use humour to diffuse, like it was a terrible flirt. <laughs> you know how some people just are good at flirting? They're like, oh, hi, yeah. You know, all those lines and all the bollocks. I just can't, I've got no patience with it. Like, I'd give boys dead arms. <laughs> I like you. And I just had no subtlety or I couldn't. Yes, I was, all, I was always the one who was a bit like, um, oh, she's such a laugh. Yes. That was my But they thing. can't get away from the laugh into the no. snogging. I think it's How do you go from laughing to snogging? It's just not a natural. You have to get drunk. Oh, God, so I'm, much drinking to sort of get I'd have to do that. I'd have to stealth going. day. I'd have to win them over. And then hopefully. Oh, but that's the long game. Yeah. I haven't got time for the long game. <laughs> of course you haven't. <laughs> of course you haven't, Kerry. No, we haven't got time. But, were but you... I knew as soon as I met Ben that he was a keeper. Oh, I went travelling a lot when I was in my 20s on my own. Were you? And I just reflected on that I was just going to be on my own a lot. That's really? what I thought I'd be. Yeah. But then it sounds like you were quite, were you quite proactive when you met Very. Ben? So you're... Even about travelling. Yeah. Even about, like, well, let's do travelling now. <laughs> let's get travelling done. <laughs> so who, with you and Ben, Yes. who is the, you know, I think sometimes there's the sort of, um, you know, there's that yin and yang thing. Where there's, oh, very much. There's one person who's the sort of, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And someone, yes. there's a calm person. He's there's the calm the, one. Is he the Zen one? Absolutely. He's much more patient. He's really my balm. He's a rock. And when I, st- when I was just starting to do comedy when I met him, because we did this play, and that's another world as well with acting, is you're doing all these sort of fringe plays. I used to go to Edinburgh doing 
plays, but I'd always sneak off and go and see the stand-up. It was the stand-up I loved, yeah. but I was up there doing sort of slightly strange fringe plays in venue 178, <laughs> which is sort of on the outskirts of Glasgow. Um, but I uh, met him in that world, and he yeah. was very much in that world, an actor. He doesn't do all that now. But, um, and I was just early gigging, and he came to a gig with me, which is a measure of how much I trusted him. I, I said, I'm doing this. It's like a sort of dirty secret. So I do this thing where I stand up in rooms <laughs> and tell secrets. <laughs> and um, he came to a gig and he was really encouraging. And he was like, you've just got to do this. You've got to keep doing this. How and, lovely. Um, yeah. And I think that's quite significant, actually. And then you have. And actually, what's nice, it's so nice that you're able to do both now as well. You were on, I saw yeah. you at the, well, I, at the, Absolute Radio, where I do a show with Frank Skinner. And yes. Frank, Absolute do a stand-up to cancer gig every year, and that was quite recently they did that, and you were on the bill there. Yeah. And Frank Skinner, who hosted it, introduced you, and he said this woman absolutely stormed it at the Royal Variety performance. And you stormed it that night as well. And I watched you on the Royal Variety performance, and... I saw Kate and William laughing. And <laughs> I was like, oh, imagine making them laugh. Um, how, how did, what was that gig like then? Did it you enjoy it? It was quite intimidating. And a lot was of people it? say it's a tough gig because obviously a lot of mates had done it and they were like, oh, brace yourself. It's not an easy gig. Because it's not like playing, you know, the comedy store. And it's a variety show, not a comedy show. So they're yeah. not necessarily a comedy audience. And you've got to do very clean sort of broad appeal. You know, you can't do niche stuff so hence doing stuff about parenting and shopping which are quite broad, broad themes so uh i was a bit nervous about it i was extremely relieved that it went well it really did didn't it uh, did you meet them by the way i did afterwards they go around and, and then william sort of as he was nearing me and i stood next to luke evans just chit chat and then he as he approached me i was bracing for an awkward small talk which would be sort of i assume inevitable but he came over and went, Kerry. And I thought, oh my God, he knows me. But then I realised that it's someone's job to whisper my name. Do you remember that scene in Devil Wears Prada? Went, yeah, exactly that. So, so, and I immediately, so this high and low happened in a nano beat, where I was like, oh my God, you remember, you maybe saw me in the bell in the early 90s. <laughs> and, then, and then I realised that, of course, he doesn't know who I am, and he's an extremely professional small talker. That is his job, literally. Kerry, can I just say, when you played drug dealer mum <laughs> one... I, I, I followed your career <laughs> from the mid to late 90s, and I've, I must say, I've been so happy for the trajectory. And I'll never... The way you delivered the line, I don't know nothing Stop about coming it. round here, he ain't in. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then Kate would have said... And then said, Kate moved no, on. No, I liked her as the shop woman the woman who Kate didn't Kate, Kate there was less to do with Kate I had oh. less to do with, Kate knew that the money shot was chatting to the kids oh yeah I got a sense that and and you know the next day it's all her chatting to the little Mary Poppins in Alexander shot. McQueen right. yeah you're not going to get a, a great <laughs> shot with just Kate and Kel chewing the cud <laughs> chatting about the school gates oh look at that bird magpie They're on its own used. isn't that bad luck or good luck one one for sorrow, two for joy. Sorrow, that's oh, bad. we need a second one. There he is, over oh, there. Oh, lovely. Oh, that resolved quickly, didn't it? Oh, that's because I'm with you, Kerry, and you're there quite... You, you strike me as quite a sort of upbeat person. Well, yes and no. I mean, I can have good days and bad days. Yeah. I've, you know, like I said, I had a little cry yesterday. 
when you're doing your stand-up, because you've got you're touring actually next year. I am, yeah. So is that all? You know, like some of that material that you were doing at the Royal Variety. Yeah, some of that. Does, in does the it show. evolve as it you go? It does evolve, and then because I haven't toured for, I think it's two or three years. So anything that bubbles up during that two or three years is goes in the new. Yeah. You get to a point where you've done all your bits. You've done it till you can't say it anymore, and you know maybe done the bit of the Montelli as well. What's but this one called then? This one's called Bosch. So oh. it fits into my whole. This is what you. we've talked about. This is me. And is and that why you called be, it Bosch? Well, the reason I called it Bosch is because I did Taskmaster and Greg <laughs> kept saying, here she comes, boshing about, <laughs> cracking, get it done, get it done. I didn't overthink it. Yeah. And it served me well because I won. Yeah. So my, my strategy was quite effective. But so, it doesn't really serve me well in, say, parenting <laughs> or, or, yeah, romance. You can't be boshy in other areas of your life. So I suppose it's sort of trying to kind of unpick that a bit. Well, you can, because maybe in a oh, sense... you can't be romantically boshy. Right, come on, kiss me! Give me a kiss! <laughs> you can't. How <laughs> can just... you say it like that? <laughs> I know, but that's what I mean. It's like, come on, slow down. Just... I just don't know, though, but it sounds... You know what? I quite like it because it sounds like it's quite an authentic way to live because no. you're responding to how you feel. And I think... What I like about you in terms of your performances and really with your comedy as well a lot um, is that you're someone who's not frightened of taking up space and that's something I've really struggled with and I've only managed to start doing recently and it's really great I think to see women in comedy doing that. Not doing apologetic comedy which I don't think yours is because you are bosh. It's not, you know sometimes there was a period particularly when I was growing up when women would have to be so self-deprecating. Oh, I certainly agree with that. I mean, I think that the way I came through comedy was I didn't... Uh, I would be self-deprecating. But you just don't want to fall into any of the traps of, oh, women talk about this, oh, women only yeah. talk about... Even when you're being a teenager and trying to be funny, I would have to kind of come at it stealthily. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wouldn't... I was I know what you're saying about holding the space, but I'd do it in a... Uh, I wasn't literally, you know... It's hard to explain, but I wouldn't just come in and be like, look at me, listen to me. It would be done in a subtler way because blokes do hold that kind of bancy, especially in the 90s, we were talking about the 90s, were so laddie and bancy and all that. You you did have to kind of fit around it. If you were going to be a woman with an opinion, you had to kind of tread carefully about how you were going to get that opinion. Well, that's the thing. And if you started speaking like them, it was like, oh, calm down. Yeah, you just couldn't bloody win. I mean, it was just... Well, that's what's interesting because of the whole panel show thing. Yeah. I mean, I do them now, but for years I didn't. I was too scared to do them. Why? Because... Because of what we're talking about. I Mm. didn't want to be... You had to get your elbows out and you've got to be all like, shut up, my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn. And it didn't appeal to me. Yeah, Yeah, it's quite combative. Whereas I feel like now, like you just said, that the climate's slightly different and there's more room for women and there's not just more room for women, but there's more room for different voices with blokes as well. I've got another theory about that, though. Go on. I think it's because you've got a high status in their eyes as well. And I know that sounds weird, but because you're, you're respected in your field, I think you can go on those shows and hold your own because you walk into the room and they think, oh, there's Kerry Godleman. But it takes a long time to get there. And actually, when innate, you've got to build that no, up. No, and that's what I'm saying is that I think as an unknown young male comic going on a panel show, they think, okay, 
Whereas I think as a, I think going on without status yeah. as a woman is hard. But it's interesting because I didn't do it when I was younger. I had to wait till I was a bit older yeah. to have that status. And it's unfortunate because when I look yeah. back, I think, oh, I wish I'd had the bottle to do a bit more when I was in my 20s. But I was sort of... Uh, it's interesting that we say, oh, well, now they're letting women on panel shows. I think the, for me, the format is slightly the issue, which is not yeah, really... No, it's changing. That's why Taskmaster is yeah. so great. Which is Because why it's, it's a different thing. And would I lie to you? Which feels Come on, Molly. a more sort of unisex form of humour. Yeah. And it's less, um, I suppose it's that combative sort of besting and owning each other, which is a different thing. But like I say, I think also possibly having kids and doing well, all that. Well, certainly when I had kids, it did change even how I was, because I, I was fairly established in stand-up. But um, when I had my daughter, who's nearly 13, I became even more focused in a way because you don't waste time. You're like, right, I'm here. I've got. I'm, I'm here for this amount of time. I'm doing this, and I haven't got any time for any shit. <laughs> so, very much, boss. Yeah, and a bit kind of like, I'm really tired. I've had four hours, Kip. Don't fucking backchat me. You, you really shut up, Ian Hislop. Yeah. I don't care. Well, I didn't do. I wouldn't have had the bottle to do panel shows then. But I. No. But in terms of the gigs and the circuit and the rooms, the clubs, I was. I mean, I did the clubs for a really, probably too long, like I did them really long time, like to the point where I was doing all these lovely telly acting jobs and I was still popping off and doing club weekends and people were like, why are you still, you're doing, you're, you're doing a bit too much. No, it's not, you're trying like 10,000 hours, that's why you're good at it. You know, because you, you don't realise, but you look back and you don't realise that that gig, that one Saturday night, you learned something. Yeah, exactly. You? And I do love the circuit because it, like all the well, things we've yeah. talked about, it keeps your feet on the ground. Um, I want to ask you something. We're coming near to the end of our walk. Yes. And I really love this walk, but I, I always ask, there are a couple of questions I always ask people. One is, um, have you had therapy? Um, well, I did when I was much younger, but it, I think it was bound up with my mum and all that, what we talked about at the beginning. So she was trained to be a counsellor and encouraged me in my 20s to do that i haven't had any since i've had kids and been married um but i wouldn't shut it down yeah i would have it again but i haven't had it for a very long time all i remember from my therapy was just sitting and cry oh no i did god i just completely forgot i did have some other therapy later in my 30s i just sit and cry for an hour and then you just pay someone and leave just literally sit and cry and go, and then, and, and, bye go on a panel show if you want to do that <laughs> um I, that's how it felt it felt sometimes a little bit like is there any structure to this or, or am i just coming to cry in your house your lovely house with your lovely throws and ethnic cushions uh always lovely houses haven't they got therapists and meditation bowls i don't trust one that doesn't have a lovely house oh gosh well they can't I be think, a good one can no. they <laughs> i mean if they're a good one they've got a well, really I'm, nice house my friend told me years ago that she got so angry with her therapist and started saying, look at you in Chiswick. <laughs> oh, you don't care. You don't care about me. You're only here because I pay you. It's like, well, yeah, that's how therapy works. <laughs> when I was growing up, my friend's mum was a therapist and she had clients that she'd had for like 20, 30 years. Yeah. Now, that's not OK, is it? No. <laughs> that's a kind of codependency where it's gone wrong. Because I need to keep buying more cushions, so I need you to be dysfunctional so we can keep the cushions going. <laughs> so that's I think there can be there's some funny Please, areas what do you do a show I want your next I want you to write something about therapy I can see you I'll tell you why I always got self-conscious about it it yeah. was because of those kind of cliches like Annie Hall and do you know what I mean like all those kind of you know that sort of chattering woman that's like so my therapist said we should break up and all that 
and I you know. go, oh, it's just so much more nuanced and complicated than that. But you just don't want to fall into a. I think you have to. I think it's like anything. I think you have to maintain a healthy level of sort of. I suppose not cynicism, but I think it's you, you have to sort of laugh at it, really. Totally, you know? I think humour is key in all these. Do you know things? what I mean? It's like Absolutely. when you're doing something. Like when I do the dog voice, I like doing it, but I know yeah. it's a bit ridiculous. Everything's a bit ironic. Like I said, even me having a cry can be ironic. <laughs> you oh, know, that big one. Um, the other thing I ask people. This is a nice and a nasty one. I ask people, what do you fear most? People saying when you leave the room. Oh. What do you want? Yeah, I suppose all the, like she was a bit much and she wouldn't shut up or a bit opinionated, a bit aggressive. I remember years ago saying to a friend, oh God, wouldn't it be awful to know what people say about you? When, and she went, mm, well, about you, it'd be a bit gobby. And I went, no, I was hypothesising. I didn't really actually want you to say. And she went, oh, sorry. <laughs> so I got some insight there. And bit, what do a bit you gobby. Want, what would you like to think? In an ideal world. Oh, in an ideal, not being ironic way. I'd yeah. want them to think that I was empathetic and kind and funny and, you know, well, I think, salt of the earth. I think I will definitely say all of those things to my producer. Really? Afterwards, yeah. But a bit gobby as well. <laughs> a bit <laughs> boshy. Kerry, I've loved our walk. Me too. I've really I've enjoyed really it. Enjoyed I hope it. I haven't said anything. Are you, or, the thing about podcasting is you relax and you start <laughs> chatting and then you go, oh... Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Or maybe I sounded like a wanker when I said that. I hope not. Will you cut out the bits where I sound like a wanker? <laughs> I really hope you enjoyed listening to that. And do remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. <laughs>